break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 28th of October, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show as we always do. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the gig economy and some of the realities there. We're going to be talking about the real cost of imprisonment for those who are incarcerated. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start with the state of Oklahoma, which is pushing some brutal execution methods. Oklahoma is becoming ground zero for the constitutionality of the death penalty as they pursue the execution of seven people on death row in the state, one of whom could be executed today. John Marion Grant, who is supposed to be executed today, received a stay yesterday, but the state of Oklahoma is seeking to vacate that stay and kill him today. What it all comes down to is the Eighth Amendment. The Eighth Amendment specifies that there cannot be cruel or unusual punishment, allegedly. Since the death penalty has been reinstated in the late 70s, lethal injection has been the major way of killing people on death row because it has been widely considered to be painless and not cruel or unusual. Now, whether or not that makes sense, given that people are being killed is one thing. But either way, the death penalty has been considered ironclad constitutional because of this. Recently, however, this has come under increasing doubt, the constitutionality of the death penalty. Pharmaceutical companies have essentially stopped allowing their drugs to be used in executions, stating very clearly that murdering people is not an approved use. This has meant that most states move to using either A, drugs procured illegally on the black market, B, generic drugs made at shady compounding pharmacies, and C, unproven cocktails of various drugs. And the latter two issues have resulted in the past decade or so in a range of botched executions, most of which are linked to the use of the drug midazolam. Midazolam-involved executions have been described by many as the, quote, chemical equivalent of burning at the stake. And Oklahoma was one of the first places where this issue surfaced back in 2014. The execution of Clayton Lockett in particular, which the warden called a bloody mess and took 43 minutes, which caused many to think something might be amiss with the new drug cocktail. Then a few months later, Oklahoma executed Charles Warner, who actually screamed out that his body was, quote, on fire. And then it was certainly clear that midazolam was probably at issue. And in a range of other states, there were similar issues and similar botched executions. So 34 Oklahoma death row inmates filed a federal lawsuit seeking to have the state's death sentences voided for unconstitutionality because they violated the Eighth Amendment. The state at that time decided to just stop killing people until the issue was resolved in the courts. Many advocates who favor the death penalty are concerned that pushing ahead with executions using midazolam or other methods like the gas chamber and so on risk the death penalty being declared unconstitutional as the deaths will be so clearly painful and brutal. However, an appellate court judge recently opened a door for Oklahoma. 
In order for an execution method to be declared unconstitutional, the Supreme Court has established that it can't just be the method itself, but also that the person challenging the method has to indicate an acceptable alternative method, since it isn't the death penalty that's unconstitutional, but the method itself. The judge, Stephen Friot, noted that six of the people on the lawsuit had not indicated alternative methods, so he dismissed them from the lawsuit. Oklahoma then immediately filed dates to execute all six and a seventh person who was not even involved in the lawsuit. And this is, again, despite having already stated they would not execute anyone while the litigation was pending. Somewhat amazingly, the judge also argued that the men would suffer no, quote, non-speculative irreparable harm if he allowed the executions to go forward, which, well, (laughs) what can you even say there? Friot even more disgustingly argued that it may actually help the lawsuit for the other 26 defendants if these six are executed and it is cruel and unusual, saying that there would be a quote unquote record. So basically arguing the upside of them being killed is that they would become human guinea pigs. Now, another federal court actually did restore the six to the lawsuit and offered a stay to two of the men whose execution is imminent, which is why Oklahoma wants court action today. Either way, whether the executions go through or not, It seems the future of the death penalty in U.S. jurisprudence is going to involve the state of Oklahoma. The New York Prison Education Program Research Committee has released a very interesting new study on the cost of imprisonment to those who are imprisoned. As they note, most states spend so little on incarcerated people for critical needs like food. The cost of staying alive are increasingly borne by prisoners and their families. And also, of course, many additional costs are heaped on incarcerated people for things like phone calls. This report gives an important insight to the realities of prison life in the U.S. The report noted that for the average person to just get by, it costs about $175 a month. They explained, quote, with that sum, people can purchase just enough commissary food to integrate the paltry meals served by the facility while also having some left to spend on other essentials such as clothes, personal care products, and a few phone calls to family each month, end quote. The report goes on further to note that, quote, since our respondents reported making on average less than 25 cents per hour or about $31 per month from in-prison employment, none could reach a monthly quote-unquote living wage without regular support from friends and family. The report notes that the biggest issue really is food, and they detail that those without any or very little outside support spend almost all of their prison earnings to buy a very small amount of food, noting that, quote, these individuals were more likely to report health problems such as gastrointestinal diseases, foodborne illnesses, and drastic weight loss, as well as frequent headaches and chronic fatigue. One prisoner even told them, those who were doing the report, that is, that he would end up so chronically hungry he was often too weak to even leave his cell. They also note the general psychological toll of being in prison without resources to buy even small things, noting, quote, having to continually eat unappetizing food or wear worn out uniforms makes it harder to maintain a sense of self. Even more so than their peers, our interviewees who were indigent reported feeling stripped of their dignity and humanity by the prison system. Now, of course, the advocates of mass incarceration will say things like, well, they shouldn't have done what they did then. And of course, that's a highly simplified view of how people end up in prison. But beyond that, As the old saying goes, two wrongs don't make a right. It's shameful, really, that the common conditions for incarcerated people in the United States consist of things that in any other context would be considered rampant human rights abuses. The National Employment Law Project has done quite a service for us all here. It's compiled dozens of studies about the working conditions of gig workers and what those workers think about them and put it all in one report. 
which unsurprisingly busts quite a number of myths put out there by the big platform companies like Uber, DoorDash, Instacart, and so on and so forth. First and foremost, they really just drive a stake through the heart of this whole thing about people loving these jobs because of quote unquote flexible work. These companies are constantly insisting that people like the work exactly the way it is and prefer it to more formal full-time employment because it allows them more freedom and so on and so forth. Well, as the study lays out, quote, polling by the global management consultant firm McKinsey & Company finds that contract freelance and temporary workers would overwhelmingly prefer to have permanent employment. And this sentiment was most pronounced among first-generation immigrants, Latino, Asian-American, and black respondents. A few other interesting findings from this overall National Employment Law Project report include, quote, even as drivers rely heavily on tips in order to make ends meet, only 14 to 16 percent of ride-hail customers tip their workers. Wow, if that's you, what are you doing? Also notes that, quote, workers spend half or more of their time online waiting for an assignment, but companies do not pay workers for that time in jurisdictions other than Seattle and New York. And also they note that like low-wage workers in general, app-based workers tend to be disproportionately people of color. Overall, they are 42% of the app-based workforce while being 27% of the overall workforce. Ultimately, this just goes to show that the digital economy, quote unquote, is driving working standards that are humiliating, demeaning and poverty promoting. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 